are geek-centric, and you can be too. Jayla, but you can call me Justin, and welcome to the Geek Centric Podcast and our special Behind the Geeks episode for Loki Season 2. If you're joining us for the first time, well, we are Geek Centric, a podcast covering the world of movies, TV shows, toys, collectibles, gaming, and all things geek centric. Joining me for today is no one. I am here by myself on the sacred timeline, introducing to you these interviews that I had the opportunity to conduct over the last couple of weeks for Marvel Studios Loki Season 2. As always, a huge thanks to our friends at Disney Studios Canada and by extension Marvel Studios Canada for setting up these interviews. Uh, we are always humbled and grateful at the opportunity to talk to anyone uh, who works on anything that we love to watch. And Loki Season 2 has been so so good four episodes in uh so i we, we couldn't pass up the opportunity to chat with director dan delu visual effects supervisor who is making his directorial debut in season two of loki uh, as the director of episode two and kasra farani who is actually the production designer for loki season one and season two but is also taking on the reins as director for episode three uh, which again, both episodes are out now. You know how wild they are. So tons and tons of fun. Um, on top of that, I had the opportunity to chat with Christine Wada. She is the costume designer for Loki season one and Loki season two. And we actually chat about how her work marries so well with the work of Kasra Farani, the production designer, to help build this world of the TVA and these different time periods to feel so rich with nostalgia. Uh, so it's a really great conversation, uh, but that's enough for me. Let's get into these interviews. First, my interview with director Dan DeLue. Enjoy. Hey, Dan, welcome to the Geek Centric Podcast. My name is Justin. Thank you for making the time to join us. I'm thoroughly enjoying season two of Loki and you directed episode two, which is actually your directorial debut, but this isn't your first time working with Marvel as you were a visual effects supervisor and artist. How did the conversations begin about you stepping into the director's chair and how did you land on Loki being your directorial debut? Well, it's something that, that I wanted to work towards, you know, for many years. And I was fortunate enough to work with the Russo brothers on, on a, quite a few films. And uh, Winter Soldier, they were, we were talking about how the, the uh, you know, how Hydra could take over control of the helicarriers. And I had this, you know, really dirty answer in terms of how it would work. But it got me into the room. And once I got into the room, I'm like, well, you know what would be really cool? It's like, they got all those guns and they would like shoot at each other and blow each other up and like send them down into the, it's over a river into a base and it would flood. So I just kind of went, you know, went crazy. Kind of my first time in the first year right. for effects, you know, and the producer was like, oh, you know, every, everybody's eyes were bulging in the heads, but the Russo's loved it, right? So they're like, oh, this guy's got fun ideas. So over the films, they gave me more opportunity, you know, from film to film to contribute ideas and design some of the sequences. And it was on Endgame that Joe said, well, you know, we're going back for additional to help finish up Endgame. And he's like, well, do you want to direct the additional photography? And I'm like, that'd be fantastic. So, you know, going from there, I, you know, started doing more second unit work. And then for Loki, I had actually had gone and helped out in post-production on the visual effects. And mm -hmm. that's where I 
Kevin Wright, the executive producer. And I would always talk about story about, you know, what's happening here. And he's like, hey, this guy's, you know, this guy's interesting. So then they invited me into uh, on, on season two. That's awesome. That's fantastic. And it seems like, you know, you kind of were working towards that in, in a lot of ways. And, and you know, given the opportunity and people around you recognized your interest. As you mentioned, given your past, how did your background in visual effects inform your approach to storytelling and character-driven moments? Are there transferable skills there that you find that you're, you're bringing into the director's role? Well, I think a lot of what we did with the sequence design, you know, with the films with the Russos, you, know, you, you fail if it's just a fight. You, know, you fail if you aren't telling part of the story and, and making the fights emotional. And so... Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of civil war, you know, we you, you tried to pit the characters against each other that had, you know, kind of the grudge, you know, that had something to score to settle. And you saw that with Endgame. And so a lot of that part of the storytelling was, you know, was the beginning, I think, of like my my path. I think that, you know, the skill set, you know, you're working with artists, you're working with actors, you know, with visual effects, you know, you, you, you know, I would always have an idea of what I wanted. But then I would always give the artist room to to come up with an idea. And it's something that sometimes they'll surprise you. And it's like, wow, okay, that's really great. I didn't think of that. And a lot of yeah. times we work in concert. And it's the same way that transfers, I think, working with, you know, everyone in the different departments on a show and, you know, with the actors as well. You want to give them the space that they can be, you know, creatively free to explore their characters and, and make sure that, you know, what their characters are doing are honest to what they think their performance should be. Yeah, it's part of being like collaborative in the process, right? It's it's definitely having that that space to to do that. Uh, my last question, as I wrap here, um, you know, we see Brad living his best life in another timeline. If you had a temp pad and you could just vacation in the past anywhere, where would you want to go and why? <laughs> well, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, you know, growing up, it was always, you know, keen on the Robin Hood movies and things like that. So like, you know, you're like medieval Europe. You know, it seems like a fun place to go, but I think as soon as you landed, it you'd regret not. it immediately, right? Yeah, like, exactly. right where's Tempad? Open that back up. We got, we got to go. <laughs> awesome. Dan, thank you so much for taking the time. I look forward to seeing what you do next, my friend. All right, thank you very much. Next up is my interview with Christine Water, costume designer on Loki. Hey, Christine, my name is Justin. Welcome to the Geek Centric Podcast. How are you doing today? Very good. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm absolutely excited to chat with you about uh, your role on uh, Loki being costume designer for the latest season. Uh, Because one of my favorite parts of the show from season one to season two is the world of the TVA. And and that is so beautifully represented and captured in the production design and the costume design. So I wanted to know, how did you collaborate with the production design team to ensure that the costumes in Loki aligned with this retro-futuristic style of the series, creating a very cohesive and visually consistent world for the audience. Well, I think you nailed it. It was a collaboration, and it started uh, It started with the pages, with the script, uh, Michael Waldron footprint with uh, Mad Men meets Blade Runner. And, and Kazra and I definitely um, spent a lot of time uh, together and going over things together and and incredibly same with uh the director we we had a lot of similar references i just remember one of the very first meetings one of um 
all of us are heavy research people and love right. of a lot of reference. And we all had Brazil in our reference boards. And I think, all, right. And we all had um, a love of analog and trying to be as practical as possible and trying to let the characters really come through. And I think uh, Kazra and I just talking about the um, the color palettes and being very uh, connected that way. I think it really allowed, I think it allowed the audience to really sink into the world. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. It was, again, one of the things that I absolutely adore about this series is the consistency with that and the commitment and the intent from the color palettes to the production design to the way the costumes just there's such a marriage between the two that helps bring this world to life and it's just done so well um now i did read that uh that i believe kihei kwan actually had some input on his costume this time around as ob is that is that true he really did want to be able to explore patches um we designed so many so fun to have that resource of designing so many different patches kind of based in that uh er, early mid-century mm -hmm. vibe um I mean we didn't obviously get to use them all but it was right. uh a little a, a nod to key well I I wanted to ask in regards to that like were there any other actors or, or any other performers that that had some input on their costume and and do you how do you find a way to kind of collaborate with them as well to kind of, you know, still keep the consistency of the overall vision? I think the beauty of working on these Marvel projects or actually just doing your due diligence as a costume designer is really creating a world in illustrations and reference boards. And when you walk into those um, first fittings or a conversation with such talented actors, it really gives you a launching pad to mm -hmm. start from and grow from or stay within. And I, I think it depends on the actor. Like it it can it can expand the vision or it can help to like hone in the vision. But I definitely uh think and what makes it so lovely is it can only be collaborative. And that's of course. really lovely. Yeah, no, that's that's the best part, right? Of of that. Did you have a specific era that you really enjoyed? Because we see a bunch of different timelines uh, in this in this iteration of season two. Uh, is there one that you really had fun with in terms of designing for costumes? Um, I had fun with all of all of them. Okay. To say the truth, I mean, it was really great because Kazra uh, directed the third episode, mm -hmm. so to collaborate with him as a director was really fun. And those clothes are. Um, incredible to do in England for one thing mm -hmm. when you're shooting in England because the fabrics and your resources are so um deep right mm -hmm. but I also love doing the 70s because I, I thought that the 70s was such a nice quick transition out of the TVA it just felt so different so much more glamorous shall we say than the TVA for sure for sure and you nailed the McDonald's like the outfits were fantastic in those <laughs> I love them um my last question as we wrap here I wanted to know if you had your own temp pad and you could travel anywhere and just maybe even vacation, just like, you know, you want to pop in there. And, and I'd, uh, I'd love to know where you'd like to go, especially given the, the background as a costume designer. I'd love to know. Um, okay. So are we going to say a place and a time? Sure. Okay. I would love to have done like the swinging 60s in London. Like there's so much art, music and talent that came out of that. 
there's a big boom at that point too, right? From fashion, from art, from oh, music. And that's so fun. And they're all colliding along with like a beatnik culture and so, so many. And yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you again, Christine, for joining us on the Geek Centric Podcast. It really means a lot. I love your work and, and I, I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you. My final interview is with Kasra Farani, production designer for Loki and director of Loki season two, episode three. How are you doing today? Very well, Justin. Thank you for uh, your interest. Well, thank you for joining this podcast because honestly, uh, you know, you directed episode three and it is my favorite of the four episodes that I was able to preview uh, just because of how timely it was. <laughs> um, now, now, you know, a, a lot of people might not know this or they do know this, but you started out as a production designer uh, and specifically you were the, were the production designer on Loki season one. So a lot of that world building of the TVA came from you and your team, which is probably one of the most consistent parts from season one to season two, just so immersive. But with that said, you know, I wanted to know what inspired you to step into the director's role for this episode and how did your background in production design sort of influence your approach to directing this episode? Thank you. Um, yeah, you know what? I mean, um, this is like a dream job to production design this show. Like if you, yeah. or for somebody like myself who's a fan of of design proper like architectural design um and i love genre design but but what i loved about loki is it was an opportunity to really stretch our our legs and flex our muscles in the like real design world in terms of architectural design and I think it's why we are able to carve out a kind of a new feeling within the MCU. So no, it was an absolute joy to do. Um, and, you know, in terms of directing, it's something I've always wanted to do. I've had occasion to do it a few times in the past. And in this context, it just, it made so much sense after designing the first season um, and how collaborative the team is led by Kevin Wright and, and, and Michelle Blood on our show. Um, they, they're just very inclusive and the writers on season one, Michael Waldron and his team. And on season two, Eric Martin, who included me, uh, into the, into the writer's room, just a very collaborative, uh, interactive process between the world building that we do in the design side of it and the world building that's done, um, with the characters in the script. Um, so I felt like I was kind of embedded in and it so it seemed natural I guess that and I was gratified that Kevin suggested I do one yeah it sounds like you you know had a relationship with everyone you had been working on this project and it was just so comfortable to jump into this role and you can see that from the way this episode very much rolls it, it, it's just it everything is so confident and that's that, that can be said about the entire series for sure um now this episode we are introduced to another variant of Kang. Yeah. I wanted to know in your own words, yeah. how do you believe Victor Timely's character distinguishes himself different from the other Kang variants? And how do you feel this episode sort of captures telling that story? Sure. You know, I mean, I feel like uh, we're all a product of of nature and nurture, right? And so you've got your genes that that define define fifty percent of of what you're of who you're going to be, and then the other fifty percent, which is a lot, is about circumstance and about where when and where you were born and who who it is that's teaching you and showing you things along the way. So I think 
there's potential to be a wildly different outcomes from from the different variants. And I think that what we're seeing in this episode without getting too far ahead of the episode is that like, mm-hmm. this is not, this is not obviously um, what they were expecting necessarily, you know? And this is a very really different person. And I, I think that what we're seeing is like a brilliant quirky inventor who was born at placed in time and born at a moment where he's, ahead of of the culture in which he exists and that was kind of exacerbated by the fact that Rensselaer and Miss Minutes give him this like super critical piece of technological knowledge in his you know adolescence basically and if we then we check back in with him 25 later years later and see what that has how that's played out um and I think that like this Victor Timely for me was uh you know a reference that we discussed a lot um was granville woods who's an african-american inventor from the mid 19th century who was an electrical engineer made many brilliant inventions that were constantly you know people were trying to take credit for them and steal them edison twice tried to claim inventions of his as his own and lost in court both times ultimately ended up offering him a job which he turned down. So this this was like a big inspiration for Victor Timely for us. Right. Awesome. Well, you know, again, it it seems like, you know, we already met he who remains. It feels like Victor Timely is he who started it all sort of, you know, and and in a lot of ways. And I love the inspiration and and and, and your direction with how you wanted to shape that character because he seems like a bit of a con artist um mm-hmm. in some ways but he's using i think to your point where people might think he's they're they're taking from him or that he's at a disadvantage he's yeah. using that to his advantage in the con so i think that's really smart in 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 describing it that way well kazra thank you so much for joining us on the geek centric podcast i look forward to seeing what you do next my friend thank you so much Well, that is it for our special Behind the Geeks episode for Marvel Studios' Loki Season 2. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, feel free to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're at it, why don't you leave a review? It's a podcast that can provide you with glorious purpose, deserves five stars, so we would really appreciate that. But hey, if you want to reach out to us and let us know how we're doing, uh, if, if if you enjoy listening to our stuff, if there's feedback you want to share with us uh, and, and to make us better, well, you can do so by reaching out to us via email at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on the app formerly known as Twitter as at GeekcentricYT or on Instagram or threads at wearegeekcentric. Now, we are not done talking about Loki season two. We already posted our spoiler-free episode where we discussed the first four episodes. Uh, And usually we would do a watch club. And if you know, then you know, this is where we get into all the spoilers and all the the nitty gritties about each episode. Uh, But this time around, because we were gifted four episodes, thanks to our friends at, at Disney Studios Canada and Marvel Studios Canada, we actually held off on doing a watch club. So I'm happy to report as of Today, uh, four episodes of Loki are out, and so too is our spoiler-filled recap discussion uh, for Loki Season 2, Episodes 1 to 4, is out now for you to enjoy. This kicks off our Watch Club officially for this series, uh, as we will be doing uh, a Watch Club, a traditional spoiler-filled discussion for Episode 5 and Episode 6. And hey, we got some guests. 
So you'll definitely want to check those out. Don't forget, we have a ton of other great episodes covering the latest in movies and TV shows, which you can check out on podcast feeds. And hey, if you want to watch this interview on YouTube, you can do that at our YouTube channel. Uh, youtube.com slash geekcentric we also have a ton of other interviews that we've been fortunate enough to conduct on our youtube channel so go check that out we got more interviews coming i can't say anything yet but we got more in the pipeline so look forward to that be sure to subscribe so you know when our latest videos drop but until next time i appreciate you and we'll see you soon peace <laughs>